Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Little By Podcast. I am excited about this season. It is all short interviews. Everyone will be less than 30 minutes with a team member of Stat Wellness. And today we are going to be talking about optimizing our physical health through pregnancy and postpartum with Caitlin Raymond. For those of you guys that don't know Caitlin, she is a physical therapist and our director of movement. And she does both ortho and pelvic floor physical therapy, which is so important through pregnancy and postpartum. And for a lot of other reasons. But for the topic today, we'll be talking about pregnancy. So I wanted to, first of all, say welcome to the show, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. Or welcome back. If you guys like this episode, you should go back and watch her last one. Um, She's been on the Little By podcast before. But first of all, I want to talk about why we know exercise is important in life, but we don't always talk about why exercise is important through pregnancy and postpartum. So tell us a little bit about why we should be moving our body throughout pregnancy. So just like how it is important for people who aren't pregnant, exercising is really important for our physical health with our muscles and making sure we can do things without getting injured. But it's also really important for other systems in our body, which I know you can speak to more, but even ACOG, which is American College of Obstetrician and Gynecology, they say that during pregnancy, women should be exercising about 30 to 60 minutes for three times three to four times a week, and it's going to decrease gestational diabetes. Um, It's going to decrease the risk of having a cesarean birth, and it's going to improve your postpartum recovery time. So people are going out saying that we should be exercising when we're pregnant, Um, but I think sometimes what's hard is that there is a lot of other noise in this space that talks about what we shouldn't be doing. And it's a little bit more fear inducing rather than encouraging for pregnant women to exercise. And I want to go back to some of the benefits, but first we're talking about shouldn't like, what are some of the things that we've been told or read or heard? Uh, Obviously you are in this space with pelvic floor physical therapy. What are some of the things that you've been hearing your patients say that they should not do that is a myth and not true? One of the biggest ones, which I had a colleague actually research to see if they could find anywhere that says this is bad for you, but almost every single person that comes into my office says they shouldn't twist being pregnant. There's actually no research to back that. I can't find anything. Um, Don't lay on your back. There are some times where we don't want to be on our back, but often we can exercise and we'll dive into a study that proves that it's safe to exercise on your back. Um, not lifting anything over 20 pounds, which becomes a problem when you have other kids in the house um, and you're having to pick up your toddler, which may be over 20 pounds and you're pregnant. Um, not lifting anything over your head. Sometimes people tell me that their doctors say don't lift anything over 10 pounds over your head or just don't lift anything over your head. Um, but that is also not true. A lot of times we're told do not Valsava, 
which is basically holding your breath and bearing down. Or if you're doing it a proper way, it is bracing with heavy lifting. People are also told to not lift heavy weights anymore and to not get your heart rate above 140. So those are a lot of the common ones. I have heard some other things out there, um, but those are the ones that almost everyone knows when they're pregnant or even if they're not pregnant, they'll be like, I heard you're not supposed to do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> yes. And a lot of that is basic movements. Like you mentioned, holding 20 pounds. If I was at home holding Emery, she's 30 pounds. I wouldn't be able to do that throughout my pregnancy. Uh, and so, that would be one upset child, <laughs> especially Emery, especially Emery. Uh, and so, you know, we always want to put a caveat in here that, you know, we're talking about the uncomplicated, healthy pregnancy. So if you guys are listening to this and you've been advised to be on bed rest or you've had complications, like you may have to take a different approach and not incorporate some of these exercises and movement we're talking about today. But for an uncomplicated pregnancy, there is so many benefits when it comes to exercise. And Caitlin mentioned them, but I think a big one is gestational diabetes. We know when a woman develops gestational diabetes with pregnancy that they have, I believe the last research I read, a 55% increased risk of developing diabetes after pregnancy. So it's important that we decrease our risk of gestational diabetes. And you know, if you are not wanting a C-section delivery, you know, any research that shows that exercise may decrease your risk of having a C-section, why not exercise? One of the studies even said that when people participated in resistance training, so lifting heavier weights, their rate of C-section in that population went from 26% to 13%. So that's cutting it in half mm -hmm. by doing resistance training, mm -hmm. which is huge. Uh, and so one of the things, like let's say that you come in as a patient and you've heard some of these myths and you just are not exercising the way you were before. This is obviously really detrimental because you're pregnant for nine to 10 months. So Caitlin, uh, we were talking about some of the muscle mass loss that can happen in a short period of time. And so do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So if you are, say you are on bed rest and you have to lay down and you're not moving around your house, we can lose muscle mass as quickly as five to 8% of our muscle mass per day that we're not, um, when we're being sedentary, but it's a little bit more than just a sedentary lifestyle. You have to be basically not doing any exercise. Um, but that's a significant amount of muscle mass to lose per day. So if we think about 10 months of being pregnant, not exercising, we'll lose a lot of that muscle mass we want for delivery and for the postpartum period. Because think about 10 months losing muscle mass, coming home with a baby who you know may weigh between six and eight pounds and holding the car seat, even just getting out of the car from the hospital, picking up a carrier, maybe your spouse uh, is grabbing that for you. But you know something like that that you're picking up, that is weight initially. And so, and also it's on one side of the body, right? It's unilateral weight. So if we don't have that strong core and that strong foundation, we're more likely to get injured. So as we're talking about some of the exercises, okay, so we know exercise is important, decreases our risk of diabetes, can decrease our risk of developing a or needing a C-section. Uh, I did read some small studies that looked at Pilates and exercise in general, shortening the active phase of labor. And depending on um, if you've had children or not, you would want that active phase to be shorter. So if movement and exercise can decrease that, it is worth keeping that going. And I think one of the big things too is the reasons the shouldn'ts are not, there's a no research in it, but the benefit in exercising outweighs the potential of these should nots that maybe we've been told that is not based by research or evidence. Yeah. So 
What I really like to think about is kind of flipping the script. Um, instead of thinking so much about let's not do something because we're scared that we might um, cause damage or something to the fetus, um, we do want to think about our babies, but let's like reframe it and think about the mom as well. And so when we start thinking about it in this way and we think about having a baby as an injury, we can kind of reframe our process so that we are setting ourselves up for success. So if you think about someone who's going to have a knee replacement, you are going to probably start with some prehab, hopefully, and you're getting strong base before your surgery. So you find out you're pregnant, you start seeing a physical therapist, you build a good foundation, building that connection to your core coordination, bringing it into the exercise you're already doing and having a professional to talk you through if you are having any confusion about what you should do um, and what you shouldn't based on you as an individual, then you have the actual act of delivery, which is Kristen can attest to this, um, a very big physical feat to have a baby. So that's like the event. Um, and then after that, your body has been through a lot. Not only did a lot of the tissue nerves, muscles stretch during the pregnancy where the baby was growing and things were under more stress, but also going through a delivery, whether you have a vaginal delivery or a cesarean delivery, whether you have tearing or no tearing, that tissue is still going to be injured. And you have to think about rehabbing that injury so that you're not just going from nothing to then waiting again six more weeks until you're cleared by your gynecologist and then going back to all normal activity. That doesn't, if you really think about it, you're like, that doesn't make sense. I've maybe had a cesarean where I did have some layers of my tissue cut through, and then I'm just supposed to go back to doing everything normally. So when you think about like the prehab, that while being pregnant, doing some exercises, then starting slow with breathing, coordination, bridges, body weight exercises, you can start with a lot more than you realize immediately after having the baby, like one to two days after you can start doing some stuff based on your, how you're feeling. And again, when you can talk through a professional, they can give you some guidelines and then you can slowly build and it shouldn't be, it should be less about a time frame, like a physical time frame, And it should be more about how that person in front of you is progressing and what they should be doing. So, and like Kristen said, when you're actually moving around with your baby, you're not not doing anything for six weeks. You're picking up a carrier. So you're doing a farmer carry. You're bending over to put the baby back in their crib, which is a hinge, a deadlift. You are picking up laundry off the floor, moving it from the washer to dryer. You're getting bottles ready. You're doing all sorts of things, which are exercise. Um, but if you don't have any background or coordination or even thinking about your body, you're just kind of mindlessly doing it, which could lead to some injuries down the road rather than actually being set up for success by doing some prehab, doing some stuff right after you have the baby. Well, I know I see a lot of women postpartum and it's injuries that you wouldn't anticipate, or at least I wouldn't as it come, as they come in in a postpartum period. It's, hey, I tweaked my neck. Hey, I tweaked my back. Hey, my right shoulder is really hurting. My hand's going numb. Like these are a lot of the complaints that I hear from new moms because you're all of a sudden now carrying a weight around with you everywhere on your side. They're attached to you. And having someone to talk you through what to start thinking about while the baby's small too. 
like changing sides when you're holding the baby while they're still manageable. Um, I know sometimes babies like one side better and you want to use your hand to get other tasks done, but switching sides and building that tolerance on both sides is really important. And then even what direction you're facing when you're changing their diaper, if you're constantly facing one direction, changing their diaper, it's a lot of this like repetition and overuse. Um, one of my things I really like to think about too, is a lot of women lose their overhead mobility because they hold that if you're right-handed, you typically hold your baby on your left side. So the left side in like this lowered position, it gets really strong. Um, and then you do everything with your right hand. And so then down the line after doing that for X amount of months or years, if you have a bunch of kids back to back, I, I see so many women later who come in just to maybe they have bad back pain or shoulder pain and they can barely lift their left arm up all the way and they have no control there. So getting into these patterns can really cause problems down the line. Mm-hmm. And I see people all the time, they'll come in for something totally unrelated, a knee pain or ankle pain. And they'll be like, oh, I ha- I'll ask them about having kids and all sorts of stuff. And they're like, why do you want to know this? My kids are like six and nine. And I look at their posture and I can be like, I can see that you're a mom because of how you hold your body and stuff like that. I'm just having all these visions of training for motherhood, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we should boot, boot camp. camp. Yes. And it's like every exercise I'm thinking in my mind is based on a movement. I mean, that's the whole thing with exercising and optimizing our physical health is it's setting us up for success in the day to day, right? Like that is why exercise is so important. It's the day to day movements we do that we want to do pain free and, you know, long term. So talk, talk us through. So we know exercise is important. A lot of the certifying bodies believe in that. Um, what exercise, like what are some of your favorite exercises for uncomplicated pregnancy and mom's feeling great? What are some of your favorite exercises that you would suggest that they incorporate into their routine if they're not? So if I, there's so many out there, so I have so many that I would want to do. And then based on the person, it is a little bit different based on what your strengths and weaknesses are and what your demands of your life are. But Overall, I feel like a goblet squat, a weighted goblet squat is an awesome exercise to start doing pregnant and postpartum. When you start adding load to the front, it's going to challenge your core a little bit more. And it's a very functional move because think about how many times you're squatting down, holding your baby. That's basically a goblet squat. Deadlifts, like I talked about picking up the baby, putting them, picking them up in their carrier. So like unilateral deadlifts with like a a kettlebell, but even just getting the foundation of any style deadlift, um, farmer carries. I think farmer carries are huge for a everyone to be doing, but specifically moms, um, really working on that midline control while you have a weight in one hand. And then also I think rows and overhead presses are something that's important too. rows because we need to strengthen our upper backs because I know you've said this to me before, Kristen, already our world is in front of us so much computers, phones, steering wheels. But then when you have a baby, it's like watching them feed, having them in front, looking down at them while they sleep, rocking them. Everything is so in front. We become so restricted in the front side and the back muscles become lengthened and not used as much. So I do think rows are very important. And what I talked about earlier with the shoulder mobility, just being able to do that overhead press while keeping that core control, those would probably be like my five like top moves, but you can always make them harder by doing them one-sided. You can do all sorts of things, Um, but that's like kind of the basis, what I would say. 
And I love kettlebells. Like you mentioned that a couple of times with farmer's carries and goblet squat. And I think one of the great things is you can easily build that weight up and it's very manageable. I mean, you can start with a baby weight as you're just kind of getting going. And so, you know, obviously we want to make sure as we're talking about this, like it's the best thing is always to meet with a professional and somebody that specializes in strength training and, you know, pregnancy is really important. And that's why I think Caitlin is such a, you know, not sure if you're truly a unicorn, but you feel like you're a unicorn because of her background as a physical therapist, a pelvic floor physical therapist, and a strength training coach. And as a director of movement, she does all of our programming for Stout Wellness. So she comes from this really unique background. And I just cringe. I had a patient the other day tell me that her pelvic floor physical therapist told her that she needed to just stop lifting weight. She was lifting too heavy of weight and that was causing her to leak. And I just, we've got to move away from this mindset ever. Like if you hurt your back, yes, you may have to take a break from the way you're lifting, but this whole, I can never lift weight again. I can never do a deadlift again. I can't do an overhead press again. These are functional movements. These are functional movements that we need to be able to do pain-free and you need to work with a professional to help you achieve that. And that actually makes me think of this new research study that came out where it was basically the whole goal was to debunk that it's not worse for your pelvic floor to lift heavy weights during pregnancy. And so what they did is they sent a questionnaire out to 679 women who lifted at least up to 80% of their one rep max. So if you're familiar with weightlifting, usually you get to an uh, amount of weight where you could do one rep of it. These people were consistently training at 80% of that load throughout their pregnancy, which is uh, for a lot of people who are in this space where they're used used to lifting heavy weights, doing CrossFit, that kind of Olympic lifting, they're going to be getting up there like 200 pounds, 300 pounds. They're going to be doing a good amount of weight. It's not going to be like a 20 pound kettlebell. So 679 individuals um, who lifted during pregnancy took this survey. This researcher was Christina Previtt. She's done a lot of awesome work in this space. And they found that there was no difference in people's pelvic floor um, with people who, like, they were, what people are arguing is that lifting heavy loads while pregnant is actually going to damage your pelvic floor more because it's already under load. So if you put it under more load, you're going to have more incontinence, which is actually the opposite. What they, they found that it did not have any different effects when people were lifting heavy. And what they actually discovered is the people who kept lifting weights, the same amount that they were doing pre-pregnancy, they actually reported less reproductive complications than those who stopped training prior to delivery. And they also reported, um, not having very many complications during the delivery and, um, recovery. So there, this study is not saying that it's preventative in any way, but it is saying that it's not going to change anything than not like, it's not going to make things worse when you lift heavy and what they were specifically looking at. So we already know lifting weights was good. What they were specifically looking at though, was people who Valsalva, which is one thing people are always told not to do. So holding your breath, um, laying down while you lift heavy weights. So they look to make sure that people weren't having bad effects when they laid on their back while lifting heavy weights. And they also looked at Olympic lifts, which is a large amount of weight that you're bringing overhead. So those are the three ones that a lot of people will just be like, oh, it's okay if you work out, but just don't do these things. And it showed that doing these things actually was okay. And people had great outcomes when they stayed active. Um, Another fact that they found through this study was that people who 
lifted more weight. So the higher weight that they could lift had actually a lower rate of incontinence mm-hmm. and, um, with people in the study who lifted less weight. Um, so actually we could argue that people who lift more weight and who are stronger had a stronger pelvic floor, which makes sense to me. Um, and then I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I really wanted to touch on in this, but those are some really good findings. And I know that there's going to be more coming out Sadly, we don't have a ton of research on this field, um, but this research study brought about a lot of questions and really showed that, hey, we don't need to be scared. Mm -hmm. We can do more than we realize. Um, Well, it makes sense. I mean, your pelvic floor is muscles. mm -hmm. Like, so, you know, we want to train our muscles. We don't want to avoid our muscles. If we avoid using our muscles or challenging our muscles or take away awareness of our muscles, we're doing a disservice. And I know one of the big things that Kaylin, well, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like you probably have found through pelvic floor physical therapy. We never talk about our pelvic floor. And I don't know if you could guess how many of your patients, but I would imagine a lot of them have zero awareness of their pelvic floor, whether they are tightening, loosing, are they able to engage? Are they able to relax? Is that something that you see? I don't want to put words in your mouth. I mean, you're the pelvic floor physical therapist. Is there this lack of body awareness to your pelvic floor as a muscle? Yes, it's huge. It is with people who have had babies and haven't, a lot of times they just think that they're do well, A, this is one thing that I always think is funny. Every time when I'm assessing someone's pelvic floor, I don't like to give them a lot of cues at first because I want to see what they do. And so I say, do a pelvic floor contraction. I would say this is an estimate, but I would say 90% of people I see ask me, what is that? And then if I say do a Kegel, they're like, oh, okay, which is just side note. That's interesting to me because a Kegel is a pelvic floor contraction. It's just named after the physician. So, um, but no one knows how to do a pelvic floor contraction, but, um, and even then when they think they're doing it, it is interesting. A lot of people don't have that connection and specifically a lot of people are more, thought goes into the pelvic floor contraction than the whole system. I think another disservice is a lot of times we're told like, just do Kegels or now it's becoming more popular. Don't do Kegels, but really the pelvic floor works as part of the deep core, which is more than just the pelvic floor muscles. It's our transverse abdominus, which is our deepest layer of our abdominal wall, our diaphragm, our deepest layer of our back stabilizers called our multifidus. So these muscles really need to work together. So one thing I find is most people aren't very coordinated with this system, which is why they're usually coming in because they're having some dysfunction. So they not only need to become more aware of the pelvic floor, but they need to integrate it in with the system. Um, And so once people get better at that, then they, and then they train in that and get stronger in that system, then they'll most likely not have leaking when they are doing a squat. Like you said, your patient was told not to do it anymore because they're leaking in that we can train that. Mm -hmm. That's like exactly what my job is. So, Mm -hmm. um, it is sad that people are often told not to do something, but once you become an educator on your body and then can start building from there and loading it appropriately and with supervision, if you're if you've never done it before, um, it's really helpful. And so obviously strength training, really important, understanding your pelvic floor. When do you recommend seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist? So we talked about kind of the fitness side of this, the exercise, the movement. What about pelvic floor physical therapy? Do you recommend that just postpartum or during your pregnancy? I think a pelvic floor physical therapy is for everyone. So Again, regardless of being pregnant or postpartum, you should see someone. But if you are pregnant, I think the best 
um, courses, when you first find out you're pregnant, see a pelvic floor physical therapist. You can go through and just make sure you're having that awareness, that coordination, and then they can give you tips to implement into your workout plan if you already have one. So I oftentimes give people just a warm up to bring in with what they're already doing, just so they can keep focused on their deep core and adding in some things that are going to be important for a new mom. And then I usually see people, depending on what's going on, like once or twice before they have the baby. I like to see people right before delivery, because then we can talk through a lot of things like starting to add in more like pelvic mobility for having the baby come out of the vaginal canal. We need a certain amount of mobility in our pelvis. Um, we can talk through laboring positions. We can talk through a lot of things that maybe your doctor doesn't have time perineal to talk massage. through. Yeah, perineal massage. And even just some little tips for right after having a baby. And then at that appointment, I usually give people a few things to start doing re- like zero to two weeks after. Um, and then you can really see your provider again early postpartum. So they probably won't do an internal exam until it's been like four to six weeks, but you can see someone. I actually just had someone yesterday, two weeks postpartum came in. We went through so much stuff and just also peace of mind being like, okay, you are activating your core really well here. Add this in when you're picking your baby up from their crib and that kind of things to look for. Um, So I like to see people right after And then I usually see people a little bit along the journey postpartum to help them challenge their system and get stronger based on their timeline, not necessarily just an arbitrary six weeks. So that's great. And if someone's interested in working with you or a pelvic floor physical therapist, like what does that look like? Is there any certifying bodies they can look at? Obviously, I know Caitlin does free 15 minute consults. So if you guys are interested in working at Stat Wellness with Caitlin, you can call us, get on her schedule uh, for either just a session or a 15 minute. But what about somebody that doesn't live near here? Can they, can you offer education virtually or is there somewhere that they can look to find a pelvic floor physical therapist? Yeah. So there is lots of different schools of thought when it comes to pelvic floor. So if you're someone who really does like this fitness forward mindset, you can reach out to me and I can help you find a provider in your area that's going to have a little bit more of a similar mindset to me. Um, But there are also lots of different resources online. Um, I really like Pelvic Guru and I really like ICE. Um, They'll have on their website directories on how to find, ICE stands for Institute of Clinical Excellence. Um, They will have resources on how to find a provider in your area, but you could also just reach out over Instagram or, um, I don't know if my email will be anywhere, but you can reach out and I can help connect you with people who are going to be like-minded because I don't want you to hopefully have an experience like Kristen's patient. (laughs) Yes. And I will put Caitlin's information in the show notes and I'll reference some of the research articles we talked about. And, uh, hopefully you guys are going to have a healthy pregnancy and postpartum period. And we're here to support you along the way. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.